You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, Storm Tracker Podcast here. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals Network. And I'm joined today by the one, the only, Larry Bluestein. And he covers South Florida high school football in not just not just South Florida, but the entire state. And uh, Blue, uh, it's been a busy it's been a busy June for you. We're now in July, but it was a busy yeah. June for you. Yeah. Uh, so you got to see a lot of kids from a lot of camps, uh, from way up to Pensacola to uh, in, in the Central Florida area. Uh, what some of what are some of the kids that have kind of stood out to you? Uh, you know, during your travels. Well, you know, thanks for having me, Marcus. I appreciate it. And a happy holiday to you and, uh, you know, to everybody listening and watching and stuff. And, uh, you know, you take a look um, going up when you, that there's like such a great, you, you almost forget that living in South Florida, when you travel four hours, you'd get maybe just to the north of Orlando. But if you're in Tallahassee and Pensacola, you get into Georgia and Mississippi and Louisiana and, and yeah. places like that. So you get an opportunity not only to see uh, some of the really, really good talent in this state uh, at University of West Florida. I mean, you know, I had an opportunity to see uh, kids from Louisiana and it was a seven on seven. So usually and I, I know that a lot of people who watch understand that a lot of the marquee players don't really go to those camps anymore. They go to the college camps, but they don't work out as much as they, excuse me, that they used to. Yeah. But events like that, you know, you get a chance to see some of the panhandle kids, but mostly, um, you know, at seven on sevens, I got a chance to see the kid DJ Pickett from Zephyr Hills, who actually played uh Chaminade uh, in a second round game and beat them, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, up in at the University of Florida. Uh, Dallas Wilson, a wide receiver out of Tampa Bay Tech, who I thought was, Really, really, really good. Um, uh, the kid, uh, Ivan Taylor, a defensive back who I think in the class of 2024 or 2025, um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of these 2025 kids uh, that you get an opportunity, to, you know, to see throughout the court. Uh, Tavion Swint, the running back who committed to UCF from Kissimmee Osceola and so you get a chance to see a lot of these guys who are the future, the 25 kids, you know, the Waltez Clark, who I think is one of the best running backs for 2025, uh, you know, from Tampa plant, the kids, a you know, a big time type of kid. And, 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 you know, he's a, a big guy. Uh, got also got an opportunity to see Charles Lester who just transferred uh, from, um, uh, from Sarasota Riverview to Venice, yep. a defensive back top, maybe three, four, five player for the class of 2024. Uh, so got it all also, <clears throat> excuse me, got an opportunity at a couple of the camps. Uh, saw the kid Jason Zandamella, the big offensive lineman out of Clearwater Amer um, American International for the 2024 class. Uh, Adarius Hayes, a linebacker out of Largo, who Really, I mean, you, when you look at guys like that, the kid's like 6'2", 224, so he's got an opportunity to be really, really good. You know, and, our, and then our, the local players in South Florida uh, for 24, obviously, <clears throat> you, you look at Zaquan Patterson, 
yeah. who is getting bigger and bigger all the time, Marcus. I mean, you yeah, you definitely. take a look at him and you say to yourself, wow, that, that kid could end up as a linebacker. Uh, yeah. Big time safety, a kid that's going to pretty much, you know, go anywhere he really wants to go. Ryan Mack for uh, just a recent uh, University of Miami commitment. Um, I always liked him. You know, he's a legacy to the University of Miami with his dad uh, playing there. So obviously he's a kid uh, that, that, you know, got a chance to see. I'll tell you a kid, the Jose Leon kid uh, from Columbus. And you've watched yeah. him. You watched him. Yeah. I, you know what? He was, it, he was outstanding at the Miami camp. No doubt. And if you look at him, he defies – uh, the position because, you know, I mean, every kid, they always want to, you know, that's smaller. They want to compare to Xavier Restrepo or, right. you know, the, the Julian Edelman. Yeah. Fair or somebody knows. like that. But yeah. this kid, he's faster than all those guys. He's got to run in the four, like in the low four, four range. He's got great hands and I thought Frank Ponce did a great job of recruiting him and coming down here and getting him to go to Appalachian State, which I, I think is huge. Um, Luane yeah. McCoy, I'll tell you that. You know, I know that there's a lot of receivers in the state of Florida and in the country, especially here in South Florida. But I think Luane McCoy is one of those guys that's going to make, make a huge impact at, at the next level. Uh, you know, at Central, he's great hands. He's somebody that uh, – uh, you know, gets open all the time. Um, I saw the, uh, you know, a bunch of the other kids. You know, there's another guy who um, uh, that that we had an opportunity to see is uh, um, uh, his dad used to coach down here. I'm just trying to think of his name. Uh, uh, Therese McCray, uh, McCray, I think. Yeah, McCray. Lual McCray. His son is at, uh, he actually came to the University of Miami camp, LJ. And yeah. big kid out of Daytona Beach mainland. And I had an opportunity to watch him. And, and I've seen him before. And, you know, we've seen him at Rive, uh, the um, the Under Armour camps and, and all that. And, and, wow, you know, you look at him and very few guys that big would come to a seven-on-seven. Seven. But when we were in Gainesville, he came with mainland. And I'll tell you, he runs extremely well. And yeah. because his dad used to coach down in South Florida at Boyd Anderson, um, you know, Miami's always in play. And if you get a kid like that, obviously, um, you know, it, it's amazing. I got a chance to see Jamie French, uh, who I think is one of the top 25 kids. Uh, in fact, Jacksonville Mandarin, who won state four years ago, beat Columbus. Yeah. Uh, they're stacked. And French, a kid like him, you know, I think he camped at Miami. Um so that's good. And Miami's getting a lot of these kids. So when you go, you know, to see Bradenton IMG and, you know, I'm like stuck on David Stone, who's a, a freaking nature. It'd be kind of tough to land him. But he's, you know, he and Ellis Robinson seem like they're kind of a, a package. But, uh, yeah, so I got an opportunity to not only see them, but a lot of the um, – a lot of the star quality kids, you know, that, uh, you know, and some of the guys who are number are, are emerging stars. So that's the important yeah. thing, you know? So, and that's when you go to events like that, that's what you kind of, you know, uncover. And like I said, if you go to a seven on seven, the kids want to play for their teams. You know I mean? If they had to go to a, you know, just a regular camp or something like that, they won't go. You know, because it doesn't they don't think it benefits them because, hey, listen, I've been, to, you know, Miami and Ohio State and Penn State. And it 
probably wouldn't do me any good to go to West Florida or FSU during the middle of the week when, you know, because all their stock could do is go down at those events, you know, uh, and I've seen it before, you know, and, and you always kind of think to the kids, you know, why, why are you doing that? If you already, it's like I say, if you ran a four, four, five in the 40, why would you run it again? You know, I mean, why right. would you, because all you do is you open yourself up, you know, for, for scrutiny and criticism and, and you know how the internet is. All you have to do is yeah. do one thing wrong and it'll perpetuate itself forever. So yeah, right. it, it, those are the good things about getting out during the summer and having the opportunity. And I've done that for a long time because, you know, I've always, you know, when I first started, there wasn't any of the, you know, you know, any of the internets or websites or computers. So that's how I learned, you know, you go and see, I, like I tell a buddy of mine, I says, I don't want to be a computer recruiter because there's a lot of them out there that sit home yeah. and will make lists and, and off of kids and anybody could do that. But the main thing in recruiting is character because you could run all the four or fives or make 200 tackles or all that. But if you're going to be a poison in the locker room, or if you're going to have terrible character and, and be a selfish or individual player, you can ruin a team. And you really can't see that from watching a film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a chance to be at the uh, Miami camps, of course. And there were a couple of guys that stood out for me, like Vernell Brown out of, out of Jones. I mean, that kid, Basically, yeah. kind of took over the game in in the seven on seven final yes, yes, against yes. Miami Central. So, um, yeah. he, he, he definitely stood out uh, for me. I mean, I was going to mention Jose Leon because the kid yeah. is just electric, man. He, he's just an electric talent, and it'll be interesting to see if he s sticks with Appalachian State because I think, even though that's a great spot for him, Frank Ponce is there, um, but I think there's potential that he could get to power five level uh, just, yeah. just in, in my mind. Um, and some of the other players that I thought really stood out is Armando Blunt and, and that other kid from Miami central, Randy Otterica, those two kids. And, and, you, oh, couple, yeah. and yeah. you coupled them with, with an Anthony Smith that came also came over from Dillard um, with Armando Blunt and T.A. Cunningham, who's now there as well. I mean, <laughs> Miami Central's got a monster front. And they, yeah, they really shine uh, for me at that Miami camp. And when you go to these camps too, these kids, they, they get to be coached, you know, by, by the staff. That's sure. That's definitely key as well, because they get a sense of how they would be coached if they indeed, you know, committed to that, you know, said school and, one of the advantages I think Miami has right now is the fact that you have uh, a Jason Taylor on this staff and the way that he can, he can, you know, just um, make a connection with them. Obviously he's a hall of famer, defensive player of the year, one of the best to ever play for the local Miami dolphins. He's here um, at the university of Miami Um coaching up these these players or, or or trench monsters that that I mentioned from Miami Central. So I think it's a it's a really something that we could be underestimating about this team, just his impact. What would you what would you say of the impact that he'll have on this team and defensive line uh, for the next couple of years? 
Well, I've said it over and over again. You don't find many people like Jason Taylor. Uh, he doesn't have to be here. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, he's got enough going from a time standpoint. You know, he can do anything that he wants to do. Just have uh, another kid. Um, what makes him special, and we saw this a long time ago when he was an assistant coach at St. Thomas before he became a defensive coordinator. And they had just gotten beat by Miramar. And it probably was the worst modern day loss that uh, St. Thomas. I was, I was at that game. <laughs> yeah, me too. And um, I mean, they just put it on him and you could see his face coming across the field. He wasn't a happy camper. And I said, you know what? I like that. You know, I like that part of somebody like that. And then you get an opportunity to see his competitiveness. Then you watch how he coaches. And he actually took Dallas Turner, who was a really, really good football player at American Heritage and obviously basketball. His dad was a star at Florida A&M and in Miami, Carroll City, is he brought when he came over for that year what Dallas Turner learned just from Jason Taylor is going to land him as a first round draft pick. I mean, he starts for Alabama. He started as a freshman for him. Um, Nick Benito was another one. And ironically, it was the last time that St. Thomas played St. John Bosco of California. And, right. um, you know, tight game, uh, then 10-6, 9-6 type of game. But on the sideline, I was watching Jason work with uh, Nick and showing him a couple of moves. Well, don't you know, in that game, he had two sacks and he never was average again, was uh, went to Oklahoma now in the NFL. And see, to me, nothing speaks more volumes than having on the job training where you could see it all unfold. And, sure. and that's what's happening here at Miami. And you know that Mario Cristobal and, uh, you know, being around and, and, and great players himself and being at Alabama and seeing the top coaches just is pinching himself at night because not only does he have a Hall of Famer, but he has a Hall of Famer who's working hard. And that's right. something, you know, and it, it's the one thing I, I learned about Channing Crowder, watching Channing uh, do camps, you know, he did for the dolphins, he did some camps and stuff. And I watched him and I'm thinking, wow, he coaches like he needs every penny. And to me, that speaks volumes of him as a person. And that's what Jason brings to the table. He, he know, you know, obviously he's, you know, he draws a crowd wherever he goes because parents know him as a, um, you know, a great football player and a Hall of Famer, but the kids don't really remember him playing. Right. And what they see now is a teacher and a coach. I mean, yeah, they could look back on YouTube and see the film of him playing, but to watch him, you know, just what he teaches them. And then they leave and are better for that experience. Uh, yeah. He's, you'll never, you know, I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, I know Jason and a great guy and obviously he's, got so many demands on him, you know, for appearances and people wanting autographs. And I understand that, but when he's at university of Miami and he's on the clock, he's all theirs. And that's the greatest part of the whole thing. Doesn't walk around like a prima donna or anybody owes him anything. He's a coach, you know, I mean, he's just not Jason Taylor, the hall of famer, but he's a coach. And, uh, 
I respect him for that. I've always said that. I've been upfront with uh, the type of uh, technically sound uh, person he is. And, you know, you could play the game at a high level all your life, but sometimes you can't teach that. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, you, a lot of big time guys, you know, like Pete Rose in baseball. It was always tough for him as a manager to deal with people who weren't going to slide head first or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or like dive after balls or get their uniform dirty because that's the way he played. See right. with Jason, it's not so much that he doesn't want them to play the way he plays. They want them. He wants them to play how they're capable of playing. And yeah, you know, the, that makes a big difference. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think he is a valuable valuable commodity Definitely. for the Hurricanes football program. And what I'm thinking about is just the opportunity for him to teach a player like a Reuben Bain. Reuben Bain is 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 a natural uh pass rusher already as as a freshman. And we we've we've seen him play throughout his career at Miami Central. Sure. And he's just been a gifted player. So you want to couple that with the toolage that he'll he'll receive from a Jason Taylor. Yeah. And a Nigel Lee Kelly will benefit from him too, because Nigel Lee, as far as his stature is a lot like Jason Taylor, long arms, kind of tall guy. So got, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, obviously when he, I remember somebody was doing an interview with him and he talked about some of the defensive uh, lineman at Miami that he's working with. And when they brought up Bain's name, he goes, hey, that kid stays healthy and he's got a, he's got quite a bright future. When you get a guy like that heaping praise on you, that's, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Uh, he's definitely one of the outstanding freshmen that is going to get playing time. I'm sure <laughs> this season, but um, I, I think there's a, a freshman that, well, I think everyone kind of is assuming that Francis Malagoa is going to start at the beginning of the season as a freshman, just like Zion Nelson did a couple years ago. But um, what other freshmen do you think have the possibility to start either by the beginning of the season or, or by the end of the season? Well, I think Ray Ray Joseph could kind of squeeze himself in there, you know, because he's so versatile and could play a lot of different positions. And and like uh, Francis Mauagoa, uh, he probably, if they don't start during that immediate rotation, which is just as good as starting, you know, sometimes you could start and maybe not make the impact. But I think guys like that, I, I think that somebody like um, – um, the kid we saw the other day, Raul Aguirre. I think people are underestimating him. Kid's got right. a body and a half. Uh, you right. know, I mean, he's a, if you watch his high school film from Georgia, uh, he's kind of a freakish type of player. Um, yeah, I say, I think, and then you know, you got to watch. You know, you you mentioned Francis Mauagoa, but there's another kid that's going to be pushing for uh, playing time uh, is Tommy Kinsler from Ocala Trinity Catholic. I mean, I think that that kid, he's, he's massive. I saw him yeah. uh, last two weeks ago. He was uh, up at, you know, because uh, Trinity was at a couple of the camps and the seven-on-sevens, and he came just to support him. I'm standing next to him. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, what a what a massive-looking kid. So I, I think those type of guys, uh, and then you got 
kids that are going to be pushing the newcomers like uh, KJ Cloyd, who I think, you know, the only reason he probably isn't at Louisville anymore because the scheme has changed. And I believe they were at a five, two, and he probably wouldn't have gotten, you know, as much. And you look, look at Tyler Harrell because he could have Tyler could get in there and, and change the course of the game. And then everyone goes, you know what? I don't care if he's a newcomer or not. He's making an impact. So I know those aren't freshmen, but those are kind of first year guys with the program that, would probably, but yeah, you're right. I think that Francis Mauagoa is going to be one of those guys that we're going to see in there, if not the beginning, pretty pretty quickly because of the lack of depth at that position. I think Samson Okanolola is another kid that's going to push for some playing time because he's probably, you know, you look at them, they're both, you know, six five. They're both in the three fifteen, three twenty range and strong and ahead of their time. Uh, Obviously, you're not gonna how long you're gonna be able to keep Ruben Bain on the sideline before right. you know he, he's got it. But that's the one thing that Miami's upgraded in a major way is they've got more depth at all the positions. And you know, when somebody asked me, Hey, what do you think about this season? It's tough, you know. I mean, because when you make 26 different roster moves, you know, it changes the whole complexion of the team. You know, and it's not like last year where we sat here and we got this guy, we got that guy. You've made, you've cleaned house and you've added new, you know, new people. So until we see them all playing together, and we didn't see it in the spring because there's a lot of guys out. But Miami could, uh, you know, they could surprise some people. A freshman for me that I think has a really good chance to start by season's end is Mark Fletcher. Uh, I And it's not because I think – you know, he is uh, just kind of a better overall back than Henry Parrish is or even a Jai Allen. Um, it's just that those guys have been injury prone. You know, uh, Jai Allen was, was injured last season and there were some parts of the season that that Henry Parrish wasn't um, yeah. 100%. So it, it's, it's... You're down to a walk-on starting. Right, right, <laughs> uh, from UAB. So you go into the season and every season uh, with that position as a position of attrition. So I think he has a potential to crack the starting lineup at, at some point. Yeah. Uh, Because he, he's an impact guy. I mean, this is a guy that could have easily stayed with Ohio state and chose to, you know, stay home, stay close to home here at Miami. So I think it's, it's definitely, the best choice, the best uh, possibility for me as far as, as far as a freshman starting yeah. by season's end. He's an exciting player. Uh, they used to call him uh, Little Derrick Henry because he's kind of he's kind of have that uh, similar running style. Uh, so very excited to see what he what he does and if yeah. he gets a run this season. Now Miami, uh, they haven't had a a, a run. Uh, in a positive way, uh, in a while, uh, especially with that five and seven season that we suffered through last year. But this year, uh, I looked at the odds as far as the over unders, as far as wins are concerned, and and it's set at seven seven and a half for the Miami Hurricanes, which kind of sounds about right. Um, it could get eight wins. Um, that's kind of what you're hoping for. It just kind of feels a little bit better if they get eight rather to seven. Um, 
uh, in, in a big way for some reason, it, it, as far as the optics and the aesthetics are, co are concerned. Nine is probably, uh, you're going to feel like. Coaching material. Yeah, you're going to feel like <laughs> you the championship <laughs> if you get nine wins. Um, so when, when you look at the teams that are in front of Miami as far as uh, win totals, you got North Carolina, Louisville, uh, Clemson and Florida State. Those are the teams that are ahead of them as far as what Vegas thinks they'll win as far as games are concerned. And all four teams are on Miami's schedule this year. Yeah. So they'll really get to prove if they really belong, if they've taken a leap. Um, because, yeah, from five wins to, to eight is a leap. You think Miami has a chance to to make that leap to to get into a higher pecking order that Vegas thinks they'll be? You know, if any team probably has that opportunity, it would be this team for the reason I just mentioned. This is nowhere near the same roster. And I was on the sideline. I talked to Coach Maribal all the time. I covered him back in the day, and I've known him forever. And we were talking about this several times when we met during the spring, you know, whether it was up in Palm Beach for that the uh, spring jamboree or wherever. And I said to him, you know, you take a look at the roster, like on July 3rd of 2022, and then flash fast forward to July 3rd of 2023 and you go, whoa, what a difference. You look and then I put both rosters side by side from last yeah. year and what a difference. And yeah. the main difference is depth. They had no depth anywhere last year, you know, and like we were just talking at running back, they had to go to a, you know, kind of a walk on quarterback situation was you were relying on a freshman who really hadn't taken any significant snaps. Um, you had wide receivers who weren't making plays. Uh, you know, the Kobe Young came up big, but then he kind of dropped some late year passes. You had a five or six game stretch without a playmaker uh, like Restrepo. So I think the difference here this year, and, and you mentioned some really good teams, FSU and Listen, I know that Miami fans hate to hear this, but I when I was up there and looking at their schedule, yeah, Clemson is they could win 10 games. I mean, and look at where they were just two, three years ago. You know, yeah. roster changes, they've probably employed the uh the transfer portal as well as anybody. You look at Clemson, they've recruited as well as anybody. Top five team, they've replaced uh, their quarterback situation. Their offensive line is really, really good. Uh, North Carolina has recruited extremely well. And this is the one thing, even though Miami's recruiting extremely well and playing the transfer portal to the, to, to the hilt, the other teams are doing much the same. You know, I mean, if you look around and you look at Louisville and you look at some of these programs and, you know, I mean, and they're making an impact as well. You know, even the Syracuse of this world. And, you know, so you got to understand that it's a competitive league more so than anybody wants to give it credit for. Um uh, but you have teams in there. There's going to be, obviously, the FSU game is going to be tough uh, up there. Yeah. Um, Clemson and North Carolina are going to be extremely tough because they've both shown that they can, you know, beat Miami and then beat them good. And especially North Carolina, who's beat Miami down here. And, yeah. um, you know, so you look at those teams, obviously, they don't play 
uh, you know, uh, some of those, uh, you know, they play Boston College this year and, you know, yeah. they and obviously Texas A&M. But their first five games could kind of set the tempo. If yeah. they come out of there five and oh or four and one, they'll have enough confidence. They'll have enough experience. Unlike the last couple of years when they opened against Alabama or opened against programs that they just had no reason opening up against. I mean, they got right. Miami of Ohio and then Texas A&M, which will be a challenge. But I like the Miami team this year that's going up against Texas A&M uh, a lot more than last year. And Miami's got more talent. And, and they really outplayed them then. They just couldn't finish, and they made a lot of mistakes and a lot of drop balls. But I think there's a lot – you know, they had no options at a lot of positions last year. If you remember, if a guy made a mistake, you couldn't just take him out and say, you know what, let's put this guy in. You had right. no options. But this year you do. And you had mentioned at the running back position where you have four or five guys that are in Cheney who we don't talk much about. But if he stays healthy, he's an NFL back. I mean, he's yeah. a fast, he's athletic, he's strong. So you look at that, the wide receiver spot got a lot better. I think they're going to try a few of the, the kids, uh, but I think Kobe Young comes in as somebody to keep an eye on. And they got a lot of slot guys, and you know, as we mentioned, with Xavier Restrepo and Brashard Smith and, and also with, um, uh, with Ray Ray and even Bobby Washington. So, uh, yeah, I think they've improved. Their offensive line has improved. Um, they've got a chance, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't put a number on it because somebody asked me that the other day and I said last year they win nine games. So I, I was way off base. So this year, you know, I mean, I just like to see them go to a bowl because when you go to a bowl, you got an opportunity for more expo exposure. Um, and so if they win seven games, I'll take it because then they're going to go to a bowl with a chance to win eight. And then you come in the next year. You don't lose a lot of guys and you're going to come back. You know, obviously you're going to lose Tyler Van Dyke, but you know what? This is the year that your Curry Brown needs to put on his big boy pants and become that guy who's ready. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, obviously he and uh, uh, the, the young man, Ken uh, Emery Williams. I think yeah. those are guys who are the future of this program and uh, you know, at least the short term. And they need to step up as well defensively. Uh, you know, linebackers thin, but with the addition of some of these other guys, you know, like I said to you last time when we talked, um, you could test the depth of this team by the fact that your leading tackler the last two years is going to be a reserve in Corey Flagg. Yeah, so, you, you know, you come in with uh, Maragoa's brother, who's a beast and playmaker, good size. He's got that killer instinct. And you got Wesley Bassaint. So that you start out there, your secondary really got better. Uh, you know, I think we talked last time, Daryl Porter Jr. had a great spring. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, he, he learned a lot. Uh, you've got and Brown and Brown's brother. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, it shapes up as this is a much, much better team uh, than last year. But they got to learn how to play together and they have to learn how to win. I certainly think they have a chance to start off 5-0, and especially with yeah. this schedule. They have, I think the first one's going to be the most important. Uh, you have to yeah. go and uh, start the season off with a with a convincing win, right? It doesn't have to be impressive to where it's a four touchdown game, but you, you have to insert your dominance at some point on a Miami of Ohio. 
Uh, yeah, well, yeah. we said last year Middle Tennessee State would be an easy game too. But right, we did. Yeah. We did, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, not yeah. good. But um, yeah, I agree with you about Texas A and M. I I like this team uh, better than the team the, the team that played. Yeah. A&M in College Station and then you get Bethune on a Thursday night and then you travel to Temple uh, and then you 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 get Georgia Tech at home which still kind of rebuilding over there in Georgia Tech and that's handled on the road one of the rare uh, probably the brightest spot from last season was that game up in Atlanta where Cameron Kitchens Basically earned his All American that game, getting three interceptions in the game and one for. Curry Brown actually played pretty well too. So. Yeah, yeah, he had an outstanding <laughs> game, and it was kind of a homecoming for him as well, returning back to Georgia, uh, coming from Lowndes. Um, uh, and then you go into those teams that I talked about earlier, which is a North Carolina and Clemson back to back. Both are going to be tough games. Obviously, then you play Virginia and NC State, who have played you tough for the past couple of years. And then you go up to Tallahassee, which is going to be a tough game. And then uh, you're home for Louisville and on the road for Boston College. So you just yeah. start out 5-0. and oh, You just have to win two of those <laughs> seven games, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which you should be able to do uh, as far as Virginia, definitely. Yeah. And Boston College, you would think, are the gimmies, but it's tough though, Marcus, to sit here and rationalize because we did that last year and you go, well, we could beat that team. You got to take with this team, especially, you have to take it one game at a time and see how they mature. And if they do get the five and oh, anything could happen because then they got the confidence, they got guys making plays. You already beat a power five team that a lot of people like in Texas AM. Uh I think like those first five games. You can't let it – you got to play them week to week because you don't want to go up to Temple and get a trap game because I've seen it. I've seen it happen, you know. I mean, Temple may not be the greatest team in the world, but there's a lot of programs that Miami should have handled last year uh, that, that, you know, that they didn't. So it's sort of like if you're a Miami fan and you have every reason to be skeptical because just look at the last four or five years. Just it's been – it's really been a roller coaster that's, you know, you know, you're going on a roller coaster without taking any drama means. So, I mean, it's at times it kind of gets to you. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that everything's going to be predicated off the first little stretch of games. Um, and let's see what happens. And then we're, if you get to five and oh, then you're talking. You go yeah. in and you have more confidence against a Clemson or a North Carolina because you've already got those wins under your belt and you've already had guys who have played at a, you know, college level making plays. So they're capable. Larry Bluestein, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining me here on blue Mondays. Uh, it's almost football season blue. We're almost there. And the first game is, well, we're, we're less, we're less than two months away. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's, it's subtly approaching. We're already in July. Happy 4th of July to you blue. You too. And if, and if listeners want to get more of your information, where where should they go? 
Well, we're on every Monday night, six to eight, and probably going to get you got you back on the next couple of weeks. Get because you have a lot of great insight on Miami, and fans like to hear that as well on WQAM every Monday night. And then our we have a podcast on uh, the Six Ring Canes Network, which is really good. That's also Monday. It's like eight thirty to nine thirty, kind of. Talk, they they do more than uh, they do a lot of baseball and basketball as well. So that's pretty that's intensive. True. And then our website is the Larry Bluestein.com website is a local Dayton Broward website. And then we have uh, prep zone Florida, which is really taking off. Um, there's, like five people now writing for it and seeing games and going to camps all over. So it's uh, keeping busy, but it's uh, it beats the alternative. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for joining me for the Storm Tracker podcast, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals Network.